Welcome to Sacrifice and Success, a podcast that looks at what we give up in order to thrive. I'm John Hegarty, chairman of Soho-based independent media agency Electric Glue. In this series, I'm talking to people from the creative industries about what they have sacrificed to be where they are today. With me in the studio today is Andre Kamara, who at 17 became the only photographer to brave the Rio favelas during a drug dealer's war. His personal story from this time became the script for the film City of God. Since then, he has won multiple awards for his war and news photography and made the hard decision to amputate his leg after complications from a car accident. Andre, Hello. thank you. <laughs> thank you for being with thank, us here thank today. Thank you for having me. I mean, there are so many things about your life that is about sacrifice. It's just incredible. But I want to go back to the very beginning of how you got into photography, how you started, um, and it was way back in in uh, uh, in Rio, in Brazil. Uh, and 1984. You you <laughs> I was 15 years old. 15 years old. You weren't out playing football or going to become uh, a great footballer. You picked up a camera. Tell uh, us about yes. that. Um, well, basically, I, when I was very, very young, about seven, I, I remember it was probably the first Christmas present that I've asked for. You know, because before seven, you, you you just get presents, you don't ask for it. But when I said, oh, what do you want for Christmas? I I, I remember I asked for an Instamatic camera. It was a Kodak, one of those box, little boxes. I know, I I know them, I knew them well. Yeah, and I was fascinated with it. I, I used to go and take everywhere I went and uh, and take loads of pictures and put those films in and, and take loads of pictures. And uh, uh, my mom, she got for Christmas a, a Nikon camera a proper Nikon camera with a couple of lenses. So two different lenses and, and the camera. She had it for a couple of years. When I was around 12, I, I started trying to, to use the camera, trying to, you know, every time she got the camera out, I would, I would go and try to use it and try to take pictures of it. Uh, you know, she, she came to me and she said, look, Andre, if you, do, uh, if you learn to use it, if you do a course, if you do a photography course, I'll give you the camera. The next day, I, I I I found a course, and it was in the university. Actually, I was like the baby of the course, six-month course, something like that. And then she, do you know, as promised, gave me the camera. So then I had a Nikon and a couple of lenses when I was thirteen or so. You were you were you were so young still, but yeah yeah it was it was about fifteen. There was a, a major national newspaper in Brazil. It was, it was called Jornal do Brasil. And it was one of the major nationals. And he, again, he was like the best photography team that, that there was at that time. Then I got in touch with the newspaper and I asked for a, for a chance to work for that young newspaper. And, and it was that newspaper that had the, the, the amazing team of photographers that, that, that were famous for, for, for their art. And uh, so I got in touch with them and they said, they come over for an interview. And I went and I was interviewed and they said, yeah, let's, you know, let's start and, slowly. And I started slowly doing one story a week, two stories a week, but then became successful. I, yeah. was doing, I started doing really well. And then I ended up doing like the whole of the newspaper almost, the whole of the, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I started having five, six, seven, Still only eight 16. stories Six. a week. Yeah, 
15, 15. And 15 I used to and doing the whole newspaper. And I used and I used to 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 leave school because I went I went to university. I didn't stop yeah. school, but I used to leave school in the afternoon because it, it was like um, the school term was like was like from seven thirty to one o'clock or seven thirty to twelve thirty the, the the school time. So I used to leave school and go straight to the newspaper, straight <laughs> every day. Even though they didn't have jobs for me every day, but every day I would go to the You'd newspaper anyway. You'd yeah, then, then I, just I, to make sure. No, yeah. Sometimes lots of jobs I did get was because I was there. I, I ended up I was there. So oh, we got this story. Go, make yourself available. That's the lesson there, isn't it? That, that make was yourself good, yeah. available. You, Constantly going there, working. Making the sacrifice to kind of you know, well, the sacrifice being a young it, teenager. The sacrifice of it wasn't so, something that I realized at that time. I didn't because I was like I was do, you know I was going for what I loved and I and I. But later on in life, I re I kind of realized that it was a time where all my friends after school would go and play football, <laughs> and uh, and I was go to, go to the newspaper. So I had big loss on socializing. With uh, with my mates because uh, because I was always at the newspaper at the newspaper looking for work. Yeah. So, how did your position at the paper develop from there? The 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 picture started giving me jobs for the weekends. So I was I used to get weekend shifts. So Saturdays and Sundays again, not going play with my friends and not going to the to the social with the kids. By then, surely. Girls were appearing, and you weren't dating those. Or no, I was. Uh, well, you were, you were, I, I was being. So, you know, in a way, I, I can't run from the fact that being a photographer for that newspaper was was a, a success with the girls at school. Oh my anyway. word! Yeah. Uh, we won't go down there. <laughs> well, let's um, let's do a quick ripple dissolve. To you, finally started photographing these gangs in the favelas. There was a war going on between two factions. Tell so, us, this is amazing. So, so, Tell so, us so, about this. Okay, yeah. so so basically what happens is when um, in, in every slum in Brazil, in every slum, they have uh, uh, drug dealing. And, and, and usually you have one, one gang controlling the slum. So the gang that control the slum, they're the ones who sell the drugs. Now, every once in a while, there's, uh, uh, the, 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 there's a new gang or there's a new guy wanting to be the boss so either they split into factions or uh, or someone comes from the outside from a different slum or whatever to try to be the king of that place and so so then you have a war called drug dealer war where you have two factions of drug dealers in one in one slum trying to well basically kill each other to to mm. to 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 for the for the prize of being the the owner of, of that slum running that slum run, yeah running the, the drug dealing of it and it started somehow spilling out a bit outside the slums so and the slums in Rio they're very much inside the the urban areas and what the police used to do at that time uh, they used to surround the slum so not to allow the war to come to come out of the, the of, of the slum they used to surround yeah. the, the, the slum yeah and wait because what used to happen is one of the factions ended up killing the other and then and then then that's when the police used to go in after the war was over so then the police would go in to make a scene okay we, we, we're in we, we're under control while the, the faction that had one would just hide away and they would go in and make sure that everything was peaceful. Now there's no more war going on. And then they would go. Then the police would get out, and then they would start the drug dealing again, but without any war because the faction had won the the thing. So 
because there was a war going on, you had you had the newspapers and television sending crews every day to to where the police was to just sit down and wait. It's going to stand by. So then, so then this day I was sent to be the one, the one covering that story for for my newspaper. So I I went there and um and and I was there with the other photographers and reporters chatting away and lunchtime kind of arrived and and there was the, we were right at the street at the bottom of the of the um, of the slum and i remember being concentrated there with a long lens trying to see looking up see if we could see anybody any of the of the warriors any of the the drug dealers you know running with guns or stuff because sometimes you you, you could see that from a distance and and i was trying to see if i could see it because we it was one of the headquarters of one of the of the factions was, was quite near to the to the to the edge of the slum but um so at some stage the the it was all quiet the the reporters and photographers decided to go for lunch which in fact they were going for a drink and and and, and instead of talking about going there, I decided that, that I didn't wanna I, I didn't wanna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna hang around here to see if I can spot one of them on the top. And as that was my idea. And they said, okay, Andrea, you're not coming. No, I'm not coming. I'm staying now. Okay. So, so you sacrificed so lunch. They, so they, so I sacrificed. <laughs> and that one, you I sacrificed, sacrificed lunch. lunch. Yeah. So then at some stage, while the other guys had gone, I look up and I'm looking up trying to see if I can see anybody. And I see one of one of the one of the the, the drug dealers popping out popping out from from a house and and kind of looking at us and and I, I he in, in and I, I wasn't sure he was a drug dealer but he just looked looked dodgy and suspicious and then he looked at us down there it's about I don't know about 200 yards of steps to from from the you know yeah. the urban area to to going into the slum and um, and he was at the bo- at the top of the steps and I was trying to get a picture and I put my camera down and he, and he was beckoning and he was beckoning. He was calling you in. Calling us in. Because there was, you know, me and the, there was a, a driver. I think there was a couple of drivers with me as well. And uh, and uh, he, was, he started beckoning us. And, I, and I'm like, uh, oh. Uh, and, uh, but, you know, nobody was going up because of the war going on. But the guy was beckoning. And I'm like, okay, well, this is maybe a chance to go up. And I remember I looked to the TV cameraman. And he kind of crossed his 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 finger on his on his, his throat, throat saying like no you know it's, it's you know you know it's not it's <laughs> you're gonna be I'm dead mad. yeah I'm not, I'm not going I'm not that mad and, and it was that my, got it you was, in that's what, then... that's when I grabbed my cameras and I went and I went up to say when I got when I was getting close I saw he had the gun and I kind of felt a bit you know oops he, yes he is a drug dealer and he's got a gun but he he kept on beckoning me and I and I and I so I went and I. And then when I got there, he started telling me that no, that we are the good guys. The the is talking about his faction. No, no, we are the good guys. We we take care of the community. We we are the good guys. And the other guys, they are they are they are horrible. They are they are the bastards. We are the good guys. And and I said, are you? And he said, yes. I said, so how did that happen? And he said, no, no, because you know we 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 drill drugs, but we take we make sure everybody's safe. We take care of the community. And he started telling me, but and he was he was very much under the influence of of a lot of drugs. I, I suspect that he because the war had been going on for a couple of days or so. And the shooting really happens more at night time. I mean, he was clearly completely intoxicated with, with cocaine. 
But that must have been hugely dangerous because in that situation, somebody can be quite... Absolutely. You know, the way, I mean, yeah, at, at one point later on, they point one of the, one of the guys, the, one of the guys that was most, most uh, intoxicated of cocaine that I've seen in my life, he, he pointed the gun at me and uh, as a joke. And I, I jumped like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> I, never, I never jumped so, be, so far in my life over. in one go. Yeah. And, uh, and then, oh, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Okay, so, I didn't find so, it very funny. No, I can see <laughs> but, that. But mm. no, but then then he started talking to me, and, and I said, "Look, I'm 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 not a, a, you know I'm not a reporter. I'm a photographer. I, I I don't I'm not gonna write a story. I take pictures. Can I take a picture of you?" And he said, "No, no, I can't take a picture of me." And I, but then there's, there's another thing where 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 I, I I grew up very near a slum, and uh, and I used to go and play football inside the slum with 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 the the kids there so i knew very much about the lingo about the so way you could they speak spoke. their language i could, so I to could speak, speak yeah. that i could speak uh -huh. that the way they spoke it's like here you would say someone is speaking uh you know like cockney so mm. they had their own cockney and i knew a lot because i grew up speaking with you know playing football with them and also that the cockney or the you know the drug dealers cockney was was very well known to me so i was very at the very beginning i started and we would started this conversation and they, they were feeling very comfortable with me because of the way i was speaking with them and and then suddenly one of the somebody came to buy some cocaine and uh and uh, and was and he had just someone had just bought some cocaine of them and was snorting on a actually on a box there was a, a box a fruit box on the floor and he was kind of kneeling down and chopping his cocaine on the fruit box and or on top of a on top of an ID card and chopping the cocaine and ready to 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 snort and I thought I gotta get a picture of that and uh, and then and then there was a guy sitting down. Uh, with a gun on his waist right in front of me and I had a wide angle and I thought I can take a picture of this gun and uh, and uh, and the guy with the cocaine and I said, as I got my camera up he said no no pictures no, no picture of me and I said no no um, I'm, I'm not I don't know I don't take a picture of you but can I take a picture of your gun it's an amazing gun oh my god it's one of the most the most amazing guns I've ever seen in my life and he was like oh yes it's a browning nine millimeter this and that whatever and then I said well, can I take a picture of your gun and he said yeah a picture of my gun you can take so then I got really close to his gun with the wide angle and uh obviously they didn't know <laughs> what wide angle was and then on the side on the side of the picture so you have this big gun on the foreground a bit out of focus and but the, the focus is on the side of the picture of this guy snorting cocaine on the so side you, you got so was, two sides of two sides of the story didn't you the, yeah, the, the, you know, the danger shocked. and the delight that some you know, people got well I, I was i was amazed i mean because at that time nobody had I, I i hadn't seen any pictures of anybody had got pictures of drug dealers so close and so explicit as i was doing uh safety completely out of the you window you must have been I'm, sacrificing uh, your safety at, at, at any moment one of them could suddenly flip yeah that's how it, how it kind of almost happened when they yeah. when he was joking and he pointed the gun at me and said i'm gonna shoot you and i, and I kind of jumped out and said, no 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 said, ah, i'm joking i was like oh, please don't joke like that again man look <laughs> and a bit more and i would have to change underwear <laughs> we <laughs> almost, sacrifice your clean almost, underwear yeah no oh, that would but, be terrible but no sanity actually sanity i i was there i mean the later on i did i did those pictures and then anyway i then did the whole 
whole bunch of pictures of these guys, some of them showing their guns and 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 the and the guy snorting the coke. And I did everything. And then at and then while this was going on, I had already a bunch of very good pictures. Uh, we heard a shot behind me. Some, somewhere behind a bit further up from from where we were and we heard a shot and then another two shots and then the guys got really hyped because there was a, a shooting and the guys got really hyped and i said oh now uh, now get away get away now you go you go 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 and i said yes so close and i ran i, I ran those steps i almost fell those steps running down the, the way jumping by steps by three or four steps but i had got the pictures got when the i pictures. got when i got down there the, the, because of the the shootings, the guys were coming back from the, the bar. From the bar, and I and it's like, oh, Andrew, what's going on? I said, there's 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 shooting, they're shooting. Can you see them? Can you see them? And I was like, I saw them. I <laughs> oh, was yes, there. I saw them. But you didn't have digital, so they couldn't they see. They couldn't see it. They couldn't see what I did. And I was like, I got it. I got. It. And they couldn't believe me. So that they, moment, they, it... that, that moment, they couldn't believe. They yeah. didn't believe that I had gone up there. Anyway, the next day, when the the, the newspaper used on the front page and it splashed the pictures around, so it was. Yeah, then then everybody knew what I had got. So that moment, in a sense, that sort of sacrifice you made there changed but, your life but, in a way didn't it yeah yeah it was it was a big jump in my career a big I got, jump yeah it was a big jump it was something that it was the first time that i was doing something that nobody had uh, nobody else had done before it was the first time that i had got such a yeah such a such a uh, an impact on the on on outside with my pictures it was the first time and and like such a big impact and, and then of course those pictures became the inspiration for the film that, City of God. Yeah, yes, in a way, yes, the picture because the the City of God story is told by the prism of a photographer yeah. who who is taking pictures of the drug dealers. And yes, that photographer taking pictures of the dealers is Which me. It's based but, on you. Yeah, but the the the, the it's not a, the film story. No, the no, film no. story is is actually based on a different drug war in a different slum. And uh, and in the film, the the photographer is from the slum, so he's right. actually uh, so they created the story of a different drug dealer war uh, uh, through the view of a photographer, which on that drug dealer war didn't exist. So they they brought this photographer into it from 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 the idea of this young photographer getting pictures of the drug mm. dealers, which was what I did. But what I love about that story is 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 that the sense of you know, great art needs sacrifice in some shape or form. You know, you've got to be prepared to give something up to create something great. In that sense, you were, in a way, possibly giving up your life because you could have got shot with that. But out of it came these amazing pictures. Out of that, the inspiration yeah, yeah, for necess City of God. Necessarily not art. I mean, it's, 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 I mean, I would say especially art for, from what I am. But necessarily, I think in life, any big and big decisions we have to make, or big big choices we have to make, usually we're sacrificing one in, in you know for to pursue the other. Especially in a world today where, you know, people think you can have everything. You know, you can be everything. You can do everything. You don't have to try one thing. You can do 10 different things and it doesn't matter. And in a sense, there is an argument that says you've got to sacrifice. You've got to understand how to give one thing up to become better at something else. Do one thing and do one thing brilliantly. And in a sense, that's what you did. You're listening to Sacrifice and Success, 
a podcast brought to you by independent media agency Electric Glue. Eventually you came to London. Mm. Why, why London? Then after that, that, that was another sacrifice. Why London? Because you had to leave your that, family, you had to leave your yes, possible I had, career. I had a comfortable life. Yeah. And then the newspaper decided that they were going to have a... Um, they wanted to have a photographer and a reporter based in Europe to cover European stories. And, and that, that for me was like a... a Oh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go and see the world. I wanted, and and I remember that there was. I wasn't the only photographer that wanted to come. There was some other photographers in the team that want that wanted the, the position. But uh, when I was a kid, I had lived in in America for a couple of years with my parents, and I so my English was very good. And and by the, by then I was already. A very good photographer as well. I had already, I had, I had already learned. I had already learned a lot, and I had the respect of of, of the bosses, and uh, and so when I kind of uh, put my name forward, I ended up being the one that got the job, and then I came, I came as a correspondent of the Brazilian newspaper. Once these couple of years were getting to an end, I decided to leave the newspaper. Now it was about three years. Uh, yeah, I was doing for about three years. I decided to. I then it was sort of a, they were going to kind of re- rotate or, or go back to Brazil. So I was like, I'm going to just go back to Brazil, or, or what do I do? And I sort of I left the newspaper. But again, the security of leaving the newspaper, going out on your own. Yeah, I, well, you know, I had already sacrificed, uh, yeah. you know, leaving leaving my family and leaving everything in Brazil to come here, like like on my own, you know, on my own with nothing to to mm. kind of. I've had already. I had already acclimatized to that, and I was enjoying being here. And I and then I managed to get a job, first job with Associated Press. And and for me, that was such a jump in my career to work for an international agency. And then, then I I kind of started started staying and staying, and then and never never gave never went back. And never went back. And of course, you know, apart from lots of great photographs you took, you took on that terrible day in London. The uh, the terrorist bombing just after we'd heard that we'd um, um, we were going to host the Olympics. The next day, the bomb went off, and you capture the kind of iconic picture of that poor woman coming out of um, uh, the underground or wherever it was with the bandage across her face, that became a kind of symbol of that kind of destruction that there is amongst us. Again, yeah, and also had someone helping her. Helping so you had her, the yeah. kind of the human side of of how how everybody got together. To, it was to a help powerful, powerful picture. I mean, so tell me, Andre, Splinter. in that situation, there you are. Your your one bit of you is going. I've got to keep going because I've got to get the picture. There's got to be another bit of you going. I've got to get out of here, and you've got these two opposing forces yes but your heart because you know your your mind might be thinking oh you know maybe you shouldn't really be doing this or that's not so safe or while your mind goes along with that your heart is like no man go for it go for it go for it i think you I think gotta get the picture saying, get you the hell out of there now you gotta, you gotta get now. the picture you gotta get the picture and then you just you just i think the, the adrenaline takes over adrenaline, as well. Yeah. Adrenaline takes over and you don't think too much. You more react to your, to your feelings. But even yeah. so, you've got these two opposing 
elements well, you within you. you sacrifice one of them. Yes. Obviously. I mean. then, one of them was sacrificed. Yeah, you sacrifice your sanity. Being a, a news photographer, you do that a lot. I mean... Um, how, how many then? How many of 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 them dying in wars and and how many photographers get killed, just for you know? And we all you want to do is get there and get the best picture. And you don't expect that to happen in the centre of London on a Saturday, you know? No, you so don't. And so I say when so then then I finished the job and I got the front page of all the newspapers and the ecstasy that I was feeling was unbelievable. But at the same time, boom! Then I found out that one of my colleagues, one of my friends, was died. Killed. The same day, trying to do the same thing, we're going f to try to get the picture of the day again. That sacrifice, like but that's going right ultimate. back to the favela that's, with that's... the guy pointing the gun at you. Here you were, a bomb could have gone off in front of you. Yeah, and and it did go off in front of my colleague. Yeah, just some hour, you know, an Amazing. hour before or whatever it was. Incredible. That must have. Did it? Did that change you at all? Did his death change you? Did it? Not really. No, I was. It wasn't even. I wasn't even thinking of. Like, oh, Andrea, you sacrifice your sanity. Could have been you, and and uh, you know, don't do that again. No, my difficulty was to to synchronize the ecstasy that I was from the success that I had produced with the shock and sadness of having a colleague. It wasn't a, a close friend, but it was a colleague, a guy I knew that had died for the with the same aim. Mm. So at that moment, it was difficult to enjoy my success, knowing that uh, somebody my paid colleague the ultimate had price, paid yeah. the ultimate price doing doing yeah. exactly what I was doing, you know, on the you know the same moment. It, it it didn't at that moment. You didn't sort of say to yourself, "Do you know? I think now I'm going to just go away and photograph sunsets. No, the I'm only... just going to photograph things which can't blow up in no, my face. The, the only time that I stopped and thought, okay, Andre, it was some years late that I stopped and I thought, okay, I can't do this anymore. I can't risk my life like that anymore was when I started having kids. So children caused that's, you that's, to sacrifice exactly, that part of your career. Exactly. Uh, people say that having kids is a sacrifice. In many levels, in many ways, yes. yes. It's a sacrifice, obviously. But uh, it ended up being a sacrifice on one road of my career. I, I went to the first Gulf War, and um, I was in Baghdad for a couple of months. And This is the Gulf War, yeah. Yes, we were there yes, for that. Yes, and I enjoyed it. I loved it. I love all photographers. The excitement was was overwhelming. And uh and uh and, and you know, and I was up for any war, for any dangerous situation. I, I would be the first one to say, please let me go. But uh then I when I started having kids, then I, I had to sacrifice that uh that uh, that, that part of your career. So, yeah, so so that so the sacrifice of the sanity that I started that I started on the beginning of my career and throughout my career, I kind of uh, started grabbing it back. So Andre, you you had to sacrifice your career as a war photographer you had a fantastic reputation uh for your own sake of sanity your own sense of sanity you now had children you were thinking about them and then you were confronted by this terrible decision you had to make about amputating your leg you'd had a car accident and that uh, you were having complications with your leg and you have to have it amputated that must have been very very hard that that was probably i mean consciously it was the biggest sacrifice that that, that I, I had, I think. Tell Not us about that. Because then I had to, I had to think, oh, I am going to sacrifice this. 
I had to sacrifice a leg. I had to to let it go. Just yeah, the story is that when I when I was eighteen, and that was a couple of years before I came to I left Brazil to come to to England. I had a car accident, and uh, I used to drive like a lunatic when I was <laughs> when I was eighteen, and uh, and I had a car accident. And out of the car accident, because I was taken to to a to, a, to a, a dirty hospital from the car before I was taken to a proper hospital, I was taken to kind of dirty A and E, and I and I got gangrene. I had an open fracture, and he and he caught gangrene from it. So I was in I was in I I went for through fourteen operations, in a in a space of about six months to that they 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 to to save the leg where they where they take off the flesh they have a series of operations taken off the flesh that is infected with gangrene and then then you have a then you have a leg where i, I can remember i could see the bone i could you know i remember laying in in the hospital bed with my leg hanging up on on some threads and you, you could see the bone uh, out of it and and you know it was like it was really so they, they take it all off and then and then after they take all the bit that is gangrened off they they do the in, in shirt or they uh, they, they transplant they, they transplant from yeah they took a muscle from my back the la, the, the dorsi the latimus dorsi they took it from my back they plugged in there and and bits from the other leg and they put it in there and they re rebuilt and reconstruct your leg so so since i was 18 i had a, a leg that uh, had gone through that and had been rebuilt so and it, it worked well i mean i couldn't i lost the movement of my foot mm -hmm. it, it, the foot was fused into the into the tibia because yeah. I, and I lost the other bit of the bonus but the, the food food was busy and everything was re put back in there so it was a mess but uh, I could walk and I and I and I came to 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 England when I was 20 with a leg like that and I had my life and I had my success in in, in life that I was having with without any problem but I mean I, I couldn't run and I, I would I would limp and I couldn't run much or couldn't run at all and I limped and I and I and I couldn't st if I, if I stand up for too long would hurt. It was a, it was kind of a painful, but yeah. I could live with it. And I and I yeah. did live and I did my things. But later on, some fourteen years later, and that apparently that usually happens with old uh, bone injuries. The bits of the bone uh, die, and then you have a bone infection. It sort of perishes. Yeah. Yeah. So that yeah. bits of bone, which doesn't mind you, you don't you don't notice really because you just because yeah. normally the bone is full of uh, circulation, blood yeah. circulation. Yeah. But but if there's a dead bit of the bone, the blood doesn't reach. So I had a, I had one day then I had a, an infection on the leg and uh, the antibiotics killed the infection because uh, the blood takes antibiotic there. But but the, the bugs that survive. They survive because they recede into the dead bones into the, of, into the perished the, bone. Yeah, yeah, they recede there. So then you think the infection is is over, it's done. You're you're well again, but the the bacteria is living there. So then you go, you know, you get a stressful moment in your life, or you low down again of of, of energy and whatever. That it comes all over again. There's a kind of circularity to it. So you yeah. you have yeah, a chronic. They usually they call the chronic, call chronic gotcha. infection. So they they have you know it, it keeps on coming back, coming back. But to cut a long story short, so I started getting infections on the bone, and I couldn't and I couldn't deal. Mm. Uh, they couldn't fix it with antibiotics. They tried to operate and carve the bone where the bits. What they usually do, they usually do they carve the bone, the dead bits of the bone out, 
and uh, and let it grow again to see if it rejuvenates. But they anyway, they didn't manage to either pinpoint where it was or, or the operation didn't work. So I carried on having having more infection until it got to a point where the doctor came to me once. I had a, a bad infection once and the doctor came to me and said, look, Andre, this is what's happening. Uh, it's chronic. It's going to keep on coming back. And uh, we think that your best option is to let it go, is to have the leg amputated. And I was shocked. And, you know, suddenly the doctors say to you, oh, look, uh, you've got two options. You can leave it the way it is. We can treat it, the, the infection, and then you're gonna, it's going to be okay for a while. Or we, and we think it's going to come back. Or which we think is the best option. You have your leg amputated and then boom. You, you don't ever have to worry about this infection anymore, ever. And pains and bad feelings. And he said to me, you're going to have it amputated be below your knee. It's going to be a below knee amputation. So you're going to have your knee. It's not that bad. It's not difficult. You can, you're going to get used to it. And you're going to have a better life than, you, than you're having with your leg like that. So it was kind of, a, for them, it was clear. Mm. The decision I had to but make. But you, but ow, you're going. Me, imagine so now I've got to sacrifice my leg. And also because I because I went through what I went through before before I mm. before be, before I had gone through through fourteen operations through. It took a whole muscle in my back to rebuild the leg. I had the leg rebuilt. I, I was really proud. I you know I, I had a bad leg, but I was proud of it it was kind of a trophy of what i been through to to have it and you know and um i got to the point where the best option was to was to lose the leg and that was difficult for i mean i remember when the doctor told me that in the morning i remember it was about nine o'clock in the morning i went back to my car and i called my dad and it was about i don't know five o'clock in the morning in brazil i woke him up and and he said what's up what's going on and i and i just started crying and i think i called him for that because i i i was for about 10 minutes 15 minutes crying not being able to say anything just crying crying and feeling the the whole difficult of it because then you were losing your leg this was your, your i was being yeah. i was being told that the best option was to sacrifice yeah. the leg that i had and then i had fought for it so much that i had to sacrifice it yeah. to in order to have a better life but at that moment you're not thinking you know of course i'm not. happy i'm happy with my life i don't need the need to be better and it's okay it's okay yeah. it doesn't hurt that much it's all right i love it i love my leg i don't want to lose my leg and and I went to research what, what it meant to lose the leg, what's going to happen to you, how you're going to deal with it, or how you're going to, you know, what, what are what 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 are the choices you're going to have, and how how is going to happen, what what happens, how does it happen? You don't know any of that. So I went to research and find out because the doctor said to me, "Look, we'll give you, please, we'll give you some time to to decide, you mm. know, decide about it, and then get back to us. Meanwhile, you keep on taking." antibiotics for the infection but uh, but which uh, can't be good for you no which is yeah which is probably you know, they're bad bad drugs you know so you 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 made you eventually made the decision very quickly just kind of I found out about it took me about a week a week of, of a bit of a suffering and difficulty i said okay okay sacrifice the leg yeah that was a brave decision yes i think but that's interesting isn't it because there you are You've, you've made this huge sacrifice. You've finally 
got it through you. You've got to do it. I've got to lose my leg. There's no way around it. Otherwise, I'm going to be permanently taking antibiotics. And then you go, right, what next? One year after I came out of hospital, I I started playing football. I said because I thought I wanted to. I wanted you're, you're to. Be, I wanted, I wanted to danger, go back to. No, I wanted <laughs> to go back to normal. I wanted to go back to normal. I wanted to be no, as normal as possible. And I remember that I managed to 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 get a leg that it was a running leg. I was able to run with it. And I and I had been for years never been able to run the way course, I was your, injured. Your the, foot the had been had, yeah. compromised. Yeah. yeah, and so I, I I started. I learned. I learned to run with with a leg. So I found out there was a there was a a, a, a league that there is. A, I don't know if they're, they're still going on, but there, there was a league in England called the, the National Disabled League, mm-hmm. and uh, I ended up playing for Chelsea. <laughs> Played for two seasons, and I, I had sponsorship. I managed to get sponsorship. Was, uh, Jose Mourinho wasn't the uh, <laughs> wasn't the manager back <laughs> no, like no, then. No, 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 no. <laughs> but I played, and we and we won. One of the seasons I played, and then throughout that, I so I played for England on a friendly against Wales. I was I was called in to play for England. I, I was uh, I was on the bench, but I played the second half and I scored a goal. And you scored. <laughs> there you are. Isn't it amazing? So again. You know, you may have, you may have, you may have sacrificed sacrificed the leg, but I ended up playing for England, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Andre, we asked uh, to bring a quote or a poem about sacrifice. Do you, do you have something to offer us? I I've I've been I've I've looked <laughs> I must have seen about seven hundred quotes on sacrifice. <laughs> I looked into it and then when I was looking for quotes, I thought I'm gonna go to the top men. So, <laughs> so I came across Shakespeare in King Lear saying Upon such sacrifices, my Cordelia, the god themselves throw incense. Wow. So it's something like, um, like uh, you know, sacrifice is something that the gods want of you. But then at the same time, I was I went through the ultimate sacrifice. I went I went to, to have a look at Jesus and what he said about sacrifice. And now he says the other way around. He says, "Go and learn what these means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice." So and he says that uh, uh, in Matthew nine thirteen he says, "Go and learn what these means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice." And and he got that he gets that from from Hosea, uh, Hosea six point six, talking talking from God's mouth. So in Hosea six point six is what God is saying. God says, "I but, desire mercy, not but, sacrifice." But the origin of the word sacrifice comes from sacrificial, does it not? S- comes from uh, sacrificius, I think, is which is sacri, sacred, sacri, sacred, and fishius, uh, to do or to make. To make. So there you to are. To do or to make. Yes. So it, so it's got it's got uh, the very, etymology of the word. The, or it's very religious. It's very it? profound. So isn't on the it? on the well the beginning the the beginning of sacrifice was people being killed for God and, and animals and, and uh, sacrifice of the body, but uh, but yes. And then I thought to myself, okay, well, forget about everybody else's quotes. Let me come up with something fresh. <laughs> now I'll do mine. <laughs> I said I'll do mine. I'll come up with something fresh. So I thought, okay. Sacrifice, the password to success. Well, that is brilliant. Sacrifice, the The password password. to success. I think that's absolutely wonderful. What a wonderful thing to say. If somebody wants to see your pictures, how can we get to see them? Um, Yeah, I've got my website, which is Andre Picks. 
A-N-D-R-E-P-I-X. Great stuff. So if you want to go and see Andre's brilliant photographs, do go to andrepix.com. <laughs> Andre, thank you a million. That was just brilliant. Thank Absolutely you. brilliant. Thank, thank you very you. much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sacrifice and Success, a podcast brought to you by Electric Glue, an independent media agency that believes to succeed in this complex media landscape you need to sacrifice. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Join me next month when I'll be talking to another fascinating guest about the sacrifices they've made to be where they are today. Until then, goodbye and good luck. This podcast was created by Soho Radio Studios.